0: All right, so I'm going to start with just, I'm just going to throw out my point, okay? The point of the whole message tonight, and that is the world needs rebels. This series is called Volunteering Tribute. It's based off the Hunger Games. Who here is a fan of the books? Boo. Boo. Who here is a fan of the movies? Okay. When I saw the Hunger Games, I was just like, oh, my gosh, there's so much here. There's so much potential for learning about so many different things. I remember we were sitting around the campfire at my house at the counselor meeting. It was me and a bunch of other counselors. This is back when I was doing junior high, and we were talking about what are some things we could teach. And Ethan Hill brought up this idea, what about studying the idea of honor? And I thought that was a great idea. So I started thinking about it, and it brought me to the Hunger Games. And we're going to talk tonight about how it all ties together. But I just want to start off talking about. The world needs rebels. Take Star Wars, for instance. Does anyone hear a Star Wars fan? I know we're supposed to talk about Hunger Games, but I gotta do Star Wars for a second, okay? In Star Wars, they absolutely needed rebels because there was an evil empire, a giant evil empire that was basically going around saying, I don't like this planet, I'm going to blow it up, I don't like this guy, I'm going to choke him, I don't like this guy, I'm going to stab him with a lightsaber, they were going around just tormenting people and torturing the universe, so who rose up? The Rebel Alliance, They were. it was Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, Lando Carlisian, the one black man in the universe apparently according to Star Wars, really weird, it's strange, there's like one black guy in Star Wars. Um, They needed rebels. Same thing with Lord of the Rings. In Lord of the Rings, you've got Sauron, this evil giant eyeball in the sky, who is trying to enslave the entire nation, the entire world of Middle-earth. And he's got this magic ring where he's trying to put it on and get all these powers and just destroy everybody. And so who rises up? It's a bunch of rebels. It's Frodo and Merry and Pippin and Sam and Gandalf. And they all get together in this group called the Fellowship to destroy the ring and save people. And it's the same thing in Hunger Games. Hunger Games, oh oh my gosh, guys, I have to tell you, I have this bad habit of going to movies without knowing what they're about. Like for instance, Twilight. Um, When (laughs) Twilight was out, Everyone was all about Twilight. They're obsessed with Twilight, and Brooklyn and I were walking around. We had never seen a trailer for Twilight. We had never read a book about Twilight. We saw a couple teenagers wearing, like, Team Jacob, Team Bella shirts, and we were like, what is that? Like, what? Man, Twilight must be pretty cool. So we went to go see the first Twilight together, and we were like, this is the dumbest love story we have ever seen. I don't want to offend anybody, but it's dumb, okay? Sparkly vampires. It's not a good love story, and Kristen Stewart's a terrible actress. I'm I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah right? Okay, you can clap for that. Yeah. yeah, okay. All right. Enough of that. So, the when I first watched The Hunger Games, I had no idea what it is about. I was like, are they super hungry? Are they going to compete for cookies? Is it like going to be like a Thanksgiving marathon? Like, I don't know what The Hunger Games is. I went to watch it. I was legitimately disturbed because you have to know, I've been working with young people for 8 years. So going to a movie where I watched a bunch of young people kill each other, and while a bunch of old people watched and like were like, "Yeah, this is amazing," I was like deeply disturbed. Like I left the movie angry. I was like, "I want to." I had never felt this strongly before. I was like, "I want to jump into that screen, find President Snow, and punch his face off with my foot," which I don't even know how. I know, dude. You can't. You can't do that. Okay. (laughs) Hunger Games. In the world of Hunger Games, they absolutely need rebels because the whole world has fallen under the empire of President Snow and the Capitol. You've seen it, if you've seen it. There's basically, the story is there's a world just like ours who goes through a giant war. And in that war, the upper class, the rich people, the capital, they end up defeating the poor people Defeating the peasants and then enslaving them into factions, uh, factions one through 12, where they are no districts, sorry. They're, I'm getting mixed up with Divergent and Maze Runner and all these other movies that are like exactly the same ripoffs. Is it good? All right. <laughs> anyway, so they put them into these different districts according to what they do. There's a coal mining district, there's all these different districts, and they say, The capital, President Snow, he says, in order to keep the peace, we're going to force these districts to make their kids go and fight in a bloody war against one another. And because of that, we'll keep at peace. Because we're making everyone's children fight and kill one another, then that'll cause the peasants to never revolt again. We'll have them under our thumb. And I was sitting there watching, and I was like, oh, my gosh, that's brilliantly evil. I can't believe how evil this society is. They were absolutely in need of a rebel, someone to stand up and say, that's wrong. I'm not going to put up with that. I'm not going to fight that. Or I'm not going to put up with that. I'm going to fight that. And in the story, it's absolutely Katniss Everdeen who takes up the cause to say, I'm not going to stand with the Hunger Games. I'm going to fight against them. I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that the Hunger Games don't exist. She's a rebel with a cause. But here's the deal. Has anyone heard the idea of a rebel without a cause? Raise your hand if you've heard of a rebel without a cause, okay? All right, a few of you guys. I think if you look at what a rebel is, like what the standard idea of someone who's rebellious, someone who's a rebel, a lot of us... A lot of people your age are rebels without a cause. You're rebelling, you're fighting against the power, you're fighting against the system, but you don't really have a cause. I'll give you a couple examples. And please understand, if I say something where you're like, hey, is that directed towards me? No, it's just I've been doing youth ministry for eight years and I've heard these stories millions of times. So if you hear this, I'm not saying this is about you, but it, it might be, I don't know. But I'm not purposely making it about you. Here's one. Okay, chores. Who here likes chores? Does anyone just love chores? You just lo- All right, weirdo. <laughs> Strange man. I don't like chores. I hate chores. Like I, one of my chores is taking out the trash. You know what I forget to do all the time? Take out the trash. A lot of times as teenagers, it can be this rebellious nature where it's like, <sighs> do I have to? Really? Ah, oh, I'm so busy. I've got to get to the next level of Mario Kart. I don't know. I don't know. That doesn't make sense. Teachers. Teachers can be somebody we rebel against. And again, I'm not directing this at anybody. It's in my notes, okay? We, I had a huge problem with teachers. I had a huge problem with teachers here at the school in Calvary. I did not like them. I didn't like school. I felt like school was worthless. I felt like I didn't need to be in school. So I remember this room used to be one, it used to be two rooms, two classrooms. It was split down the middle. Mr. Stanford used to sit up here and teach. My best friend Trevor Daigle and I almost every day in history class without fail, halfway through class, we'd get up to go to the bathroom, but we would never come back. We would leave, and we would just disappear and never return. We didn't have respect for our teachers. We weren't like, oh my gosh, Mr. Stanford has such great things to say. We better stick around and hear them. We were like, this guy's lame and bald, we're leaving. Now I love, I love Mr. Stanford is now one of my dear friends. But at the time, I thought, who needs to respect him? Why do I need to learn history? I don't need that. Here's another one, okay? This happens to a lot of people, a lot of people. You get in trouble, okay? Now back in the day, you got in trouble And you said, your parents said, hey, go sit in the corner. Big deal. We can all sit in the corner. That's fine. Nowadays, when we get in trouble, a lot of times what happens is our parents say, all right, hand over the phone. Hand over the phone. (laughs) That's a bummer. When mom and dad say, hand over the phone, or hand over the Xbox, or hand over the laptop, that is a bummer, and a lot of times when that happens, it's not respect, it's not, oh, all right, you know what, I blew it, here's the phone, here's the Xbox, here's the internet connection, it's, I hate you, you're ruining my life, how could you do this to me? You're like, stabbing me with a dagger, a deadly dagger. Rebels without a cause, listen, the world needs rebels, listen up, The world absolutely needs rebels. But here's what the world needs. Rebels with a cause. What's the cause? The cause is absolutely, please listen, the cause is absolutely, without a doubt, souls. It's human souls who need to meet Jesus. Listen to this. I'm going to set up for you the great cosmic drama that began before time. God... Creates angels to fellowship with him. He creates angels to be his friends and his servants. Then God gets this plan, and he says, I have servants to serve me, but I want a family. I want to create people, people I can love, people I can be in relationship with. And so God decides to create man and woman. But before this happens, while these plans are being formed, Lucifer who is an angel up in heaven. Just imagine the scene, please. Listen. Up in heaven, God with the angels. He's glorious. He's amazing. He's perfect. He's huge. Imagine if you were in the presence of God. I know sometimes we can feel like we are at at camp. Actually, that's the wrong thing to say. We are in the presence of God. We are in the presence of God right now. I just want to make that really clear. But what I mean is, we're in the presence of God, but imagine to actually see him with your eyes. That's what I'm trying to say. Imagine to actually see him with your eyes, to be able to go over and shake his hand, to give him a hug. Imagine that. The angels had that. They're in heaven with God, and God has these glorious plans. I imagine him talking to the angels, saying, "Angels, Gabriel, Michael, come over here. I have this amazing plan. I'm going to create people, and their names are going to be... Um, their names are going to be Bradley and, and Adrian and, and uh, Justin and, and, and Christian, and, like, and God's getting excited. He's naming off the humans. He's like, oh, these are going to be amazing. God's showing the angels glimpses of you in the future and what could be and the relationship that he and the angels could have with you. And Lucifer... One of God's top angels is standing there, and he's thinking, what makes Yahweh so great? What makes God so great? You know, I'm pretty great. I lead worship in heaven. I'm the master worship leader. You know what? I've been worshiping God long enough. I could be a God. I could do the job better than him. I could do this better than him. And in an instant, the original rebellion was born. It was Satan saying, it was Lucifer, an angel saying, I can do this better than God. He starts going to the other angels and saying, listen, if you follow me, I'll make you a God. If you follow me, then we can can be our masters of our own destiny. We can have our own choice. We cannot serve God, but we can serve ourselves and become gods. And it's crazy. The Bible says that Satan deceived one third of the angels. And now those angels are demons. God kicks them out of heaven. God knew what was going on. God wasn't surprised. He knows what Satan's doing, so he kicks them out of heaven. Now, have you guys ever seen in a movie a villain who was going down? Maybe he got shot, and he's standing on a cliff, and the good guy's standing right in front of him. What does the bad guy usually do? He grabs onto the good guy because he knows he's going over the cliff. So he's like, I'm going to take whoever I can with me. That's the enemy. That's Satan. That's the way the war began. Satan was defeated. He knew he was going down. And he said, I'm going to take down every single one of God's children that I can. And so the great rebellion was formed. Guys, you need to know your targets. Satan looks at you and says, if I can take you down, I'm going to take you down with me. And if I can, I'm going to make your life miserable here on earth. If I can, I'm going to make your life so full of temporary pleasures that give you nothing in the end. And I'm going to rob you of every joy and every plan and every purpose that God had for your life. Listen, I want to give you something to fight for. We need to be rebels. Here's what we fight for. In Isaiah 9:2, it says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them has light shone. Guys, God appeared to this earth. He showed up in light. His name was Jesus. And he showed up, and he traveled the world, and he brought a message of love and peace. We are supposed to bring people to that light. In Isaiah 6:8. Isaiah the prophet says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, here I am, Lord, send me. God is looking for a nation of young people. He's looking for a group of young people. Please listen. Please don't keep your faces down looking at your phones. Please listen to what we're talking about. God loves you, and I love you too, and the counselors love you. And we want you to know that God has a plan for you, and God is looking for someone who will say, here I am. Send me into the darkness because I am a light. Listen, this is really important, and this is a really cool point. Submission and rebellion are essential to the Christian life. I got so excited when I was preparing this because... We don't really think a lot about rebellion being an essential part of the Christian life. We think of submission a lot. Let's talk about what submission is. Submission is basically wrapped up in this verse. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. Psalm 16:2. It's saying, God, you're my God. I love you. I'm going to follow you whatever you want, whatever you want to do. I'm here. I'm yours. I submit myself to you. You make the decisions. That's submission. A lot of us are very, very aware of what submission is because we've been been told our whole lives, you have to submit. You have to do the right thing. You have to follow God. Maybe you've grown up in a Christian home, and it's just been like, hey, you have to do this. You have to be a good Christian kid. You can't mess up. You're embarrassing us as a family. I heard that all the time. I was a pastor's kid, and I heard a lot about how I was embarrassing the family. Submission reminds me of arm wrestling. Today, I was arm wrestling uh, Brandon, Becca, and Sam. I took Becca out really quick. Uh, Took Sam out pretty quick. Brandon put up a little bit of... Oh, wait, who beat me? Was it Sam? Sam beat me. He actually has, like... I beat Sam? Who defeated me today? Trevor Clark defeated me. Let's give him a hand. It's not that much to clap about. I literally have just bags of flab... On my arms, okay? Anyway, okay, when you're arm wrestling, you have a choice. You can either fight, you can either put up a fight, or you can just give in and roll over. You can put up a fight and you can try to get the upper hand, or you can say, I can't do it, this is too hard, and you can just submit and give in. In God, when it comes to God, a lot of times we can fight Him, and it's so much better just to say, You know what, God, I wanna give you control. I want to let you have control of my life. I want to submit. But with rebellion, submission and rebellion, let's talk about rebellion. This is actually fun. Let's talk about rebellion. We all have probably at some point been called rebels, either by our teachers, by our parents. Maybe you're a natural rebel. Maybe when somebody, like, comes out and says, hey, everybody, it's time to come over here, you're the last person to budge. Just out of principle, you're like, I, you know what, I'm just going to wait it out. Maybe that's you. I've known plenty of people like that. Um, maybe when your parents come and they say, hey, can you do this chore? Can you do this? You're like, yeah, I'll do it. And then they come back like two hours later and they're, they're like, hey, you didn't do it. And you're like, I didn't say when I was gonna do it. Like, when does it matter Like, when I do it? I'll do it, I said I would do it. And then you wait till like three in the morning and then you do it. Um, <laughs> a lot of us can be natural born rebels. I'm a, I was a natural born rebel. I was known as basically the most argumentative kid ever. And I still can be, ask my wife. I argue so much. I come into an argument with charts and diagrams to like why I think I'm right. It's honestly really stupid and a really bad character quality. But they told me when I was a kid that I should be a lawyer because I had to win every single argument. Here's the question. With rebellion, who are you submitting to and who are you rebelling against? That's the question. Who are you submitting to and who are you rebelling against? against the common thought of a rebel is wow that guy he's an individual because he's going against like think of your idea of a rebel okay girls because i know because i remember what it was like in high school most girls like bad boys so think about that guy with the swoopy hair with the leather jacket who comes into class who's just like what i don't even care like think about think about that guy I think some of you guys might like that guy. Guys, I've known a lot of guys who were attracted to the rebellious girl. There's something that's actually really intriguing about a rebel. There's something that's actually very like, man, that guy doesn't just conform, he doesn't just submit to authority, like he's his own person. There's something that's actually very attractive to us as people about a rebel. But here's the deal. A lot of times, someone who thinks that they're independent Someone who's just rebelling. Scotty and I have talked about this all the time. We both went through the same thing. When we were young, we had a hard time with our teachers here. We had a hard time with our authorities here. It's been a struggle for us. What what I realized in my own life is a lot of times when I was rebelling against my teachers, a lot of times when I was rebelling against my parents, I thought I was being independent, but really I was just a puppet. I was the enemy's puppet. I was Satan's puppet because he's got it all planned out. He invented rebellion. He's the one who looked at the way God said to walk and said, I'm going to invent a new way. So when we rebel, a lot of times we think we're just doing our own thing, but Satan's pulling the strings. He's sitting there and he's like, you're falling into exactly what I planned for you. We think we're being independent, but really we've fallen directly into his plan. Think about this, okay? Listen, listen, listen. Think about this. Who knows about World War II and Hitler? Okay, do you realize that that man was able to convince his entire nation that it was the right thing to do to go out and execute Jews and sick people and black people and mentally ill people and people with deformities. Do you realize that Hitler was able to stand up and with a lot of charisma and with a funny little mustache and a floppy hipster haircut, he was able to get up and move his hands around and shout a lot and he got almost everybody in his country to agree with him that the right thing to do was try to take over the world and kill a bunch of innocent people. That's crazy. But that shows you how persuasive the power of the enemy can be. And in Germany... Well, everyone else during World War II was looking at Germany thinking, what are they doing? They're crazy. In Germany, the people were just like, this is normal. Like, we should kill the Jews. We, ki- we should destroy them. This is normal. It reminds me of The Hunger Games. Because when I was watching The Hunger Games, do you guys remember, who remembers the first time they saw The Hunger Games? Like, the very first movie. Do you remember when it showed the The Capitol. Do you remember the people with their weird painted faces and their crazy hats and weird hairstyles, and they were all very prim and proper? I was sitting there watching that, and I was like, these are the people who are killing the children. These are the people who think it's hilarious and fun and a sports event to throw kids into an arena and cause them to fight for their lives. And I was sitting there, and honestly, the movie moved me. Because I was sitting there, and I was thinking, and I was like, man, like, It's crazy to think that a society could get this way, that people could come to the point where killing each other for sport, killing each other for fun was just a sport, was just something that people did for entertainment. And it made me think of our own society. It made me think of how it's so easy in our society. There's so many sins that people look at and go, that's normal, just like the people in the Capitol. The Hunger Games, Ha <laughs> that's amazing. I love it. I love watching kids kill each other. I got my bets on this kid. It was just normal to them. For us, it's so easy in our society to look at things that are evil. I, the other day I was talking with Scott again about abortion, and we were just talking about how angry it gets us. We were talking about how the the killing of innocent children. Um, Scotty told me that um, that recently like they're getting to the point where um, – uh, like a, a kid who has just been born, they're trying to pass a law where it's okay to kill a kid who has literally just been born. Like full term, fully come out of the womb, like healthy baby. As soon as it gets born, like within the hour, if you kill it, it's still not considered murder. That's crazy to me. I was thinking about that. I was like, that we've gotten to the point. There's so many children that have died from abortion. But you know what? The world looks at it, and it's just Normal. It's absolutely normal. It's, it's the woman's right to choose, they say. And, and I, I love, like, women, and I, I love men. I, I love people. Gosh, come on, guys. Be mature. I love my fellow humankind is what I'm trying to say, okay? Weirdos. What I'm trying to say is I don't want to cause women or men anywhere harm or pain, but I don't believe that killing children because we make mistakes or we don't want to take responsibility is the right thing, but that's where society is. Another thing, too, is um, I was looking at the way society looks at sex, and I was looking, and I I did this recently in another study, but I'm going to repeat it because I think it's really key to understand where we're at. So they did a study recent, or they did a study like probably about 10 years ago, and in the study, they examined the music that was the top music that was on the radio, the the top charts, and 30% of the music that was on the radio was sexual-related or drug-related. Fast forward to now, the same study went out and I was reading it and they said 90% of the music on the top charts is sexual related or drug related. And I said that can't be true, that can't be true. Well, what I did was I went on the uh, top billboard website and I went through every single song myself and I read the lyrics and it's crazy. All these songs have at least one sexual reference and usually it's within line three. It's like lyric, lyric, bah, in your face, sexual reference. Like that's how crazy it is. Um, Megan Traynor and her song All, All About That Bass, sexual related for sure. Taylor Swift got a free pass. In her music video, no, but in the lyrics, she got okay. Um, so she was the one song. Um, Habits Stay High by Tave Lowe, that song had sexual references in it. Sorry I got it wrong. Um, Bang Bang by Nicki Minaj and Jesse J. Animals, Maroon Five. Black, Black Widow um, by Iggy Azalea. Don't Tell Him by Jeremiah featuring YG. Hot Boy. Take Me to Church, Stay With Me. And then, um, what was the other one? Anaconda that came out. Okay? Yeah, we laugh. Okay? Here's the thing, guys. Listen, listen, listen. These are the songs that you're very familiar with and that you've listened to, and I'm sure many of you guys have watched, please listen, please listen, I'm sure many of you guys have watched the music videos for these, I'm not here to judge you, I love you very much, I'm here as an older brother to tell you that Satan has a strategy, please listen, Satan has a strategy, he wants you to hear these things and think, that's normal, that's the way of the world, you're sheltered, you're in a Christian environment, one day you'll be out of this environment and you'll be in the real world where that's how things work and you'll be able to enjoy yourself when really all you're going to find is emptiness, when really all you're going to find is what the songs talk about. One night stands and relationships that don't work, you're going to find yourself in just a pit of despair because that's all the world has to offer. But the world is selling this stuff to you. The world is selling it to you young people so much, and you hear it, and it's just, it's normal. And some of you guys, I've been hearing you sing the lyrics to these dirty songs since you were sixth grade. Some of you guys, girls, and it bummed me out then, and it bums me out now. And listen, 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 listen. I'm just trying to open up your hearts to the idea that rebellion is necessary, but it's not against what you think. Remember in the Hunger Games, they had everybody to the point where they thought it's normal to do these things. This is normal, this is the way of the world. And it was up to somebody who was brave and bold to stand up and make a choice for the Lord. The Lord is looking for rebels. I'm gonna give you guys an example of a rebel that the Lord was looking for. In the time where Israel went to fight against the Philistines, remember there was a giant, remember David and Goliath? Goliath shows up, he's this huge, huge, tall guy, Like, he's like Scotty and Steven stacked on top of one another walking around. Imagine that. Scary. Terrible. Everyone looks at him and says, we're going to die. We're going to die. This is terrible. An 11-year-old boy, I don't know exactly, can't talk. Whoa, that was weird. I, like, felt like my brain had an aneurysm right there. Like, a young, young boy, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, stands up and says, this isn't Right? I don't care if there's no soldier who will fight against Goliath. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to rebel, and I'm going to fight Goliath. And what happens? The Lord is with him, and he defeats him. Just like Katniss. Katniss was the one who said, I'm not going to put up with this. I'm not just going to go into the Hunger Games and kill a bunch of people. I'm going to stand up for what's right. In John 1, 1 through 5, I want to pull up that verse. Hold on one second. In John, dude, I love this. Look at this verse, okay? Look at this verse. Hey, hey, look at this verse, guys. John 1, 1 through 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. It's a great verse. Because, guys, listen, if I go into a dark room with a flashlight, leaky, what happens? The light. Does the darkness ever overcome the light? Can you ever flip on a dark switch? No. You can flip off a light switch, but can you ever flip on a dark switch? No, you can't. No, yeah, exactly. You turn the light off, but you can't turn the dark on. What I'm trying to say is that the light always defeats the darkness. I hope some of you guys get that. The light always defeats the darkness. The Bible says, you're the light of the world. When you go into the darkness, you can't be defeated, because God is with you. You can't be defeated. You can be rejected. You can have a hard time as a Christian, but as a Christian, the light in the darkness, the enemy can't squash your light. Here's my next point. Rebels form alliances. Who remembers the sad thing that happened with rue? I cried, too. It was really sad. Who can do the whistle? Katniss goes into the woods and she finds, that's enough, enough whistling, Katniss goes into the woods, she finds a young girl, come on, come on, she finds a young girl named Rue who also doesn't want to kill people, who also doesn't want to take other people's lives, And so they end up forming an alliance together. They end up hiding out together. They end up being on the same team. Here's my point about this, guys. You guys are thrown into the world. Like, you guys are in the world, whether you go to a Christian school or not. You're in the world. You're going to have to face the world. Now is the time to form friendships where you can back each other up. Listen, I think there's some of you guys here. Listen, listen. I think there's some of you guys here who want this. I think there's some of you guys here who want the kind of friendships where someone's going to back you up in the things of the Lord. I think some of you guys have wanted that for a long time, but you haven't had that because you're too afraid to talk to your friends, or maybe they're too afraid to talk to you about the Lord. It's weird. Sometimes we can have friends where we can literally talk about the craziest things. We can laugh about the most wild things. We can have fun. I've had friends like these. But when it comes to things of the Lord, for some reason, it's like we're, we can't talk about it. it. just It's so hard to come up. listen, when you're living for the Lord, it's so good to have somebody who has your back. Guys, listen, this is really practical stuff. You need somebody who can back you up. You need someone who can keep you accountable. We all sin. It's amazing to have a friend who's checking up on us. How are you doing? Maybe gossip is your problem, and maybe you've talked to your friend, and you've said, hey, listen, can you pray for me? I really struggle with gossip. And then you get together with that friend not to gossip about other people, but you get together with that friend to say like, hey, the other day I said some bad stuff about this girl. I'm not going to tell you what I said, but can you please pray for me because I really struggle with gossiping. That's amazing to have that kind of friend. Maybe for you, it's, it's your temper. You just lose control. If you have a friend where you can turn to them and say, bro, dude, I just, I can't control my temper. I need you to pray for me. It's one of the best things in the world. Whether it's Whether it's gossip, whether it's anger, whether it's lust, whatever it is that you need accountability with, it's so good to have a friend who can help. Another thing is someone who can call you out on love. Listen, be that friend. Be the kind of friend who when you see your friend acting up, like when they're obviously stepping out of line, don't just just tell them what they want to hear. Don't just be like, oh, it's okay, it's not your fault, you're fine. If your friend messed up, in love, tell them. Like, hey, I love you so much so I need to tell you, you were wrong in this situation. The people who've told me that are some of my best friends. The people who've had the guts to say, Aaron, you messed up. You were wrong in that situation. Those are the kind of people I need around. Guys, be the kind of friends who will encourage one another. The kind of friends who will say, listen, I need to tell you God loves you. Hey, did you know how much Jesus cares about you? Did you know that if you were the only person in the world, God would have died for you? Do you know how good it is to hear those things? I need people to tell me that. Be the kind of friends who will tell each other these things. Point to God. Bear one another's burdens. Guys, listen. Sticking together is key. Here's another story of some rebels I want to tell you. Bible story. Who knows about Daniel? Obviously, Daniel in the lion's den, right? Some of you guys might not know the backstory. David was a young guy, around 13, 14, 15, 16 years old, living in Israel. Well, what happens is, King Nebuchadnezzar, who's the king of Babylon, defeats Israel in the war, invades Israel, sends out this wagon, and basically grabs all of the young men off the streets. Imagine that. If, like, the king of France rolled in a chariot into Vista and started grabbing all of the 16-year-old boys off the street. You'd be like, this is really weird and really creepy. He takes the boys, and he brings them to the castle, and he says, listen, it's time for you guys to stop being Jews. It's time to be Babylonians now. We are going to take the young men, and we're going to bring them to Babylon, and you're going to dress like us, and you're going to look like us, and you're going to talk like us. We're going to show you our culture. We're going to have you listen to our music. We're going to take you to our operas. We're going to take you to our theaters. You're going to learn our ways. You're going to eat our food. You are going to become us. I love this story because Daniel was a rebel. Guys, it's okay to be a rebel sometimes. It's good to be a rebel sometimes. Again, who are you rebelling against? Is it your parents? Is it your teachers? Or is it against the enemy? When the enemy captures you, brings you into his world, and says, hey, I'm going to make you just like everybody else, you're going to listen to the things they listen to, and you're going to think it's A-okay, you're going to think all that sexual stuff in the music is just fine, it's not a big deal, it's got a good beat, so who cares, you're going to dress like them, you're going to go to their movies, and you're going to watch the things that are disgusting and things that the Lord doesn't like, and you're going to watch them and just be like, whatever, it's not a big deal, I've seen worse, it's okay, Guys, I remember when I saw the first thing on TV uh, that was just remotely dirty, and I I was a little kid, I cried. I went and I told my parents, you know what happened? Years and years and years later, I had seen so much that I would see things, and it just didn't bother me anymore. The first time I saw it, I cried. My heart broke, because I knew it was wrong. But nowadays... A lot of times I can see something, I can go to the movies, something comes up, someone says something really nasty, and I'm just kind of like, oh, it's just kind of the way the world is. We can grow hard to it. I have to ask God all the time, God, soften my heart so that the things that hurt you and the things that break your heart break my heart too. You know what Daniel did? They brought Daniel in and they said, Daniel, you're going to eat the, f- the food of the king. It was good food. It was pigs and steaks and all this meat and Daniel looked at the meat, and he said, you know what? That food has been offered to idols. Like, it's been sacrificed to the gods of Nebuchadnezzar. I'm not going to eat that food. I mean, is that really that big a deal? It's not like that food, like, was marked, like, if you eat this, you'll be a Satanist. Like, it would have been really easy for Daniel to be like, you know, it's not that big a deal. I'm sure God will forgive me. There's not really anything in the Bible that says that I'm not supposed to eat this food. You know what Daniel said? Daniel said... I'm not going to eat something that defiles me. I'm not going to eat something that's defiled. You know what? Give me some fruits and vegetables. Boring, right? But you know what? God blessed him because of his heart. And you know what? Daniel was the kind of friend who formed an alliance. He said to three guys you might recognize, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he said to those guys, we're making a stand. We're not going to eat this food. We're going to honor the Lord. They ate fruits and vegetables. What ended up happening is all the other people, all the other boys who came, they weren't healthy, but Daniel and his friends were the healthiest guys, and Nebuchadnezzar, the king, promoted them. He was like, wow, you guys are doing really good. I'm going to promote you. They honored the Lord, and God promoted them. Fast forward, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are told, hey, bow down to this statue of King Nebuchadnezzar. Bow down and worship King Nebuchadnezzar. You know what? They had a friend in Daniel. Daniel was their example, and they looked back and they remembered, you know, Daniel, he didn't eat that meat. And he, he got us all to not eat that defiled meat. We can't bow down to the statue, we serve one God. And so they were rebels. They got thrown into a fiery furnace, totally survived, came out fine. Daniel, fast forward a few years later, Daniel's a prophet, he's respected. The people start looking at him and judging him. The king's advisors look at Daniel and they go, we've got to do something about him. He's really popular. He's, been, he's honored the Lord and he's been blessed for it. Every day he goes up in his room and he sits in his window and he spends time with God and he prays out in public so pe- people see it. And they go, you know what? We're going to take him down. They go to the king. They trick him into coming up with a law where anyone who's praying gets thrown into a lion's den. You know what Daniel does? He rebels. He rebels he absolutely rebels. He says, oh, I can't pray? Uh, Yeah, I can. I'm gonna. Who cares if I get thrown in a lion's den? He stands in his window. He doesn't go hide in the corner. He just does the same thing he always does. He goes to his window. He sits down. He prays to God. He honors God. He puts God first, gets thrown into a lion's den, and completely survives. Gets thrown into a lion's den and gets to hang out and snuggle with a bunch of lions. Then he gets out, and King Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar goes, You know what? We'll worship your God. We'll obey your God. That's amazing. I'm going to tell you guys a really disturbing story. Okay. <laughs> Have you guys ever done something that was so shameful, but yet you enjoyed it so much? that you felt no shame at the moment you were doing it. I'm going to tell you about what happened to me. I went to the grocery store. I know. I know. I bought Ben & Jerry's. That's not that bad. I mean, yeah, I love Ben & Jerry's. Okay, here's what I did though. I get please listen. It gets worse. I get into the car. I pull out the Ben & Jerry's. I'm driving home. I want to eat the Ben & Jerry's. I realize I have no spoon. So, <laughs> I take the Ben & Jerry's. I'm really embarrassed to tell you guys this cuz it's horrible. This was not that long ago. I pull out the Ben & Jerry's, I take the lid off, I'm looking at it and I'm driving and I'm like, I really want to eat this, but I don't have a spoon like, I, I shoved my teeth into it, and I, like, was gnawing at it with my teeth to, like, pull out chunks, and then I started to, like, push the bottom of the container so the ice cream came up like a push-up, and then I was just, like, like, just gnawing on it, okay? Now, I get, like, halfway through it. There's ice cream all over my face and, like, beard, and I'm driving, and it occurs to me as I'm like driving and like sideways gnawing on this Ben and Jerry's, that somebody that I know could drive by me and see me. And for a split second, I thought about stopping doing what I was doing. And then I was like, I'm willing to take that risk. And I just kept eating until I literally ate the entire thing on the drive home. And then the wave of shame hit me. But in the moment, it was just like I didn't care. Guys, a lot of times, what's that? A wave of shame because I had just ingested like 5,000 calories without a spoon and had ice cream all over my face. And I was eating it just like gnawing at it while I was driving in my car. Yeah, there you go. Guys, a lot of times, there are things where the Holy Spirit should be causing us to go, that's wrong. That's not right. This is a bad thing for you to do. Maybe it's the way you treat your parents. And maybe you're in the moment, and you're yelling at mom, and you think, this is okay. And then you you feel in your heart, like, this is not good. But you're just like, I've got to just keep doing it. You just power through. Maybe you're watching a movie, and you know that dirty scene is coming up. And you know it's coming. And you have a chance to stop. But you just keep going through. Guys, it's so easy for us to give in and make the bad choices. We need to be rebels and fight against our own sin nature. Listen up. Rebels fight to restore honor to where it belongs. Culture has different views on honor. I was reading a weird view on honor. Samurais, who's ever heard of harakiri? Anybody? Super weird. So samurais have this view of honor Where basically if you mess up, if you fail, if you get captured by an enemy, it is more honorable for you to take a short sword, stab it into your stomach, twist the blade around, and basically rip out your own organs and die that way than to be killed by your enemy. Or sometimes if you just mess up, if you just make a mistake. I think that's weird. I think that's a weird view of honor. I want to ask you guys, where does honor belong? Or more importantly, who does honor belong to? I'm going to give you guys some verses. Because we want to find out, if we're rebels and we're fighting for honor, who does it belong to? Who are we trying to return it to? 1 Chronicles 29.11 says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatest, the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as high above all. Glory to God. God is amazing. He's powerful. He's wonderful. God deserves honor for who he is. Revelation 5.13, and I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be the blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever in in Romans 13.1. It says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Okay, here's the, one of the most important parts of the study. We're wrapping up. Please listen. Some of you guys might read this, and you might read these verses where it's talking about honoring God, and you're like, yeah, I honor God. I go to church. I listen to Bible studies. I worship. I honor God. But does so many of us honor to God? happens in the church, and then goes away. For some of us, it might not even happen in the church enough that we can pay attention and listen to a Bible study without distracting other people. I'm not trying to make a dig at anybody. I love you all. But listen, to many of us, honor can just be something where we go to church and we're like, praise the Lord, I honor the Lord. But when we go home, listen, when we go home, we don't have any view of honor at all. The way we treat our parents a lot of times can be terrible. The way that we treat them, the way that we talk to them, the way that we argue with them can be terrible. You might say, but honor belongs to God, not my mom. Honor doesn't belong to mom. Honor doesn't belong to dad. The Bible says honor belongs to God. Read this verse, okay? If you like to study God's word, if you like to know what it really means, read Romans 13.1 says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Here's all that means. All the honor belongs to God, but God gives that honor to other people. God looks at your parents and he says, these are going to be your authorities. These are your parents. I've put them in your life for a reason so you can love them and respect them. These are your teachers. I'm not just talking about Christian teachers. I'm talking about like teachers at secular schools. These are your teachers, and God has put them in your life so that you can respect them. Exodus 20, 12 says, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord is giving you. Whether you only have a mom or you only have a dad or you have both, God says honor them, respect them, and you'll live long. God wants to give you a future. God wants to give you a hope. Honor your parents, and you'll live long and you'll prosper. Live long and prosper. I knew a kid once. I discipled him, I worked with him, I loved him. But he hated his parents. And no matter what I did, or no matter how much we talked about it, no matter how much I intervened, he hated his stepmom, he hated his situation he kept fighting he couldn't respect his parents he couldn't respect his dad he didn't respect his dad he hated his stepmom he ends up punching out his dad ends up just punching the guy gets thrown out of his house on the streets wandering around gets sent away to a boarding school and now i mean i get in touch with him once in a while but i don't i don't know how he's doing I talked to him recently, and he didn't seem like he was doing that good. He seemed like he was having fun, but I knew he had walked away from the Lord, and I love the guy, and listen, I don't want any of you guys to end up like that, but I know how hard it is to honor your parents sometimes. I know it's hard when you look at your parents, and they're saying something to you that honestly seems really stupid or really crazy or really just out of this world. Guys, here's a quick lesson. God said so many things to his children that seemed stupid or crazy or out of this world. Now, God is amazingly smart. He's never stupid. He's always brilliant. But to us, the Bible says that our ways are not God's ways. Can you imagine? God, you're trying to fight the enemy, and God says, hey, throw down your swords, throw down your shields. Why don't you grab some trumpets and go march around this wall like a billion times? That sounds dumb. But they did it, and it worked. It worked. God says to Gideon, throw down your weapons. You're going to take your army of thousands of men. You're going to bring it down to 300 people. You're going to show up at the camp. You're going to blow some trumpets. You're going to smash some pots. Gideon's thinking, I'm going to die. I threw away all my weapons. I have 300 men. They have thousands of men. God, why are you trying to kill me? This is crazy. You're ruining my life. And he shows up at the hill and he says, the sword of the Lord of Gideon. And he breaks the pots and he blows the trumpets and he thinks, okay, I'm dead. My weapons are smashed. The enemy's gonna kill me. The enemy wakes up and thinks it's getting attacked by an army of thousands of men and the enemy all gets up and they kill each other. That's straight up in the Bible. It's a great story. It's a great story about how sometimes God tells us things that seem ridiculous and crazy. And if we listen to him, he always comes through. Guys, your parents, God put in your life as training. And if you can get used to the fact that they're going to tell you things that you don't agree with at times, they're going to make you do things, they're going to put limitations and rules and restrictions on you, they're going to punish you sometimes when you mess up, they're going to take that phone away, they're going to take that that thing away that you like, and you can sit there and you can rebel and go, forget this, this is lame, or you're going to understand that if you honor them, you're honoring God. That's the way God looks at it. If you respect them, you're respecting him. If you dishonor them, if you disrespect them, you're disrespecting him. Every time you argue back to your mom, every time you disrespect your teacher, that's a slap in the face to God. And you know what, guys? I know. Here's the deal. You can be like, that, that's not fair. Because you know what? Sometimes my mom's mean. She might be. My mom was mean sometimes. I love my mom. But honestly, sometimes she was mean. You might be like, my dad makes bad decisions sometimes. He's not always right. You know what? He's not. My dad makes bad decisions sometimes, too. Sometimes he still does. He's a human being. Our parents are human beings. Here's the crazy thing. God gives out authority. A lot of times, we base who we think deserves authority on people's human behavior. Some of you guys at the school here, I've noticed there's certain teachers and certain people, and I I feel like I'm fortunate enough where... I've known some of you guys for a long time. I've been really nice to you guys, I feel like, since you were little kids. I've taken you guys to 7-Eleven a ton. I've bought you guys a lot of food. I've made quesadillas for you guys and brought you pizza and all these things. I feel like a lot of you guys, even though we mess around and joke around, I feel like there's a certain amount of respect that I get from you guys because I've been nice to you. And I like that, that's great. But you know what, there's certain people who are authorities in your life who maybe they haven't made you breakfast or taken you out to lunch and they tell you to do something, I see certain people around the school here who are authorities, and some of you guys are downright mean to them. Like, they'll leave the room, and you'll be like, man, he's so stupid. Who does he think he is? He can't tell us what to do. Guys, here's the thing. God has put all these authorities in your life. It doesn't matter if they're nice to you or not. God's put them in your life. There's a difference. If, if, If these people are, like, beating you or mean to you or telling you to go out and rob liquor stores, that's one thing. But if they're just sometimes unpleasant, if you feel like your mom is sometimes just unpleasant, if your dad is sometimes just unpleasant, they're humans and they're sinners too. But God has still commanded us to honor them and respect them. And when we honor them and respect them, we honor and respect our teachers even when we don't agree with them. Even when we feel like they're the biggest jerks in the world, which I've, at Calvary, there's been so many teachers where I was like, really? Really? Like, My computer crashed. Like, I worked all weekend on that paper. You can't give me a zero. It's the worst thing in the world. It's one of the worst feelings in the world. It is so hard to submit. It is so hard to respect teachers and parents when you think their decisions are just dumb sometimes. And you know what? Sometimes they might be because they're human, just like our decisions are dumb sometimes. But God still commands us to honor and respect. In Leviticus 19.32, it says, You shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man. That doesn't mean you go up to every gray haired man and you're like, oh, honor. Like, I bow down in respect to you. That's, that's not, that'd be weird. That'd be offensive. But what it means is older people, we honor them. Guys, I, I just blew it just the other day. I was supposed to do something for, for Hallelujah night. I blew it. I got an email where the guy said, this is what you're supposed to do. You're going to set up these booths. I didn't read the email. I had done holiday night so many years, I just kind of forgot. I was like, it's not a big deal. Well we just we just we're just gonna do jousting. So I get the email, I don't read it, then I show up and people start getting in my face. Cause they're like, you were supposed to do this. Like why didn't you do what you're supposed to do? You know what? I got defensive. This is just the other night. I was like, what are you talking about? We did exactly what you told us to do. You probably left out in your email. Like, you probably sent us the wrong email. Like, you didn't send us what we were supposed to do. Like, my, me and my team, we did exactly what we were supposed to do. You know what? I went to my computer. I checked my email. I'd gotten three emails where they had told me what to do, and I had just ignored them. It was totally my fault. And the Lord just convicted me and was like, you jerk. You're being so disrespectful to these people. Now, The old people, these were old people who had come up to me and told me that I messed up, I felt like they were kinda mean when they did it. So I was defensive, but you know what? Whether or not they had come up to me and said things in a way that wasn't nice, that's no reason for me to be mean to them. That's no reason for me to disrespect them, especially when I blew it. So I I actually wrote an email and I was like, you know what, I'm so sorry, this was 100% my fault. I blew it, I dropped the ball, I didn't read your email. And I just messed up this whole thing. Can you please forgive me? And then I went and found that guy, that old guy, and I was like, dude, please forgive me. I caused you guys so much stress. It's my fault for not checking the email. I really, really blew it. And you know what? It felt so much better. Guys, I can be disrespectful, too. I can be a jerk sometimes, too. I need to wrap this up. Listen. Here's the last thing I want to talk about. I'm going to go through this really quick. The rebels' help comes from above. In Hunger Games, what brought them help? What came from the sky? Care packages from who? Sponsors. Okay, in the same way, here's what the Bible says. Who knows the verse? I turn my eyes up into the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from you, maker of heaven, keeper of the earth. Guys, you've got a job to do. You're in a battle, you're in a Hunger Games. You've been thrown into an arena where you have to fight. And listen, if you don't fight, you will be killed. That's the reality of the world. If you don't fight, you will be taken down. If you don't fight, the enemy's got his eyes on you, and he wants to take you down, and he wants to make your life robbed of what God has for it. But guys, we need to look up because that's where help comes from. Listen, I'm going to just read a couple verses, that encourage me whatever you're struggling with. Some of you guys, you've got people you've been disrespecting and you know it and this study's a wake-up call and you know you need to apologize. Sometimes it's the hardest thing to apologize first. Sometimes when mom hurt your feelings or dad or teacher or friend or old guy, somebody hurt you, it's the hardest thing to be the first one to apologize because you feel like they messed up. Sometimes we're just waiting for our mom to apologize or our dad to come admit that he's wrong. But guys, listen, we need to honor and respect. Here's the crazy thing. In John 16, God says this, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, you have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. God says, with God are wisdom and might. He has counsel and understanding. Guys, if you're struggling, pray. Go to God and say, this is what I'm dealing with, this is what I'm struggling with, I need help with. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved, Psalm 55, 22. And the last thing, last thing to look at is this. God says in John 14, 27, I leave you my peace, I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Guys, you know when Jesus had said these things, he was on his way to the cross. When Jesus said these things, he knew what was coming up. You know, Jesus went to the garden of Gethsemane and he knelt down and he said to God, God, if there's any other way, if there's any other way besides me dying on that cross, please let me know what that way is. He's sweating great drops of blood and he's thinking of you and he's thinking of your sin and my sin. And he's thinking about how much he loves you and how much he wants to save you. But he says, God, if there's any other way besides me dying, and God says, there's not any other way. And he says, Father, not my will, but your will be done. We're going to talk more about next week. Stephen's going to teach you guys. He's going to do a great job. But the whole series is called Volunteering Tribute. You know, Katniss, when, when Prim is going to go into the Hunger Games, and she sees her sister going off, and greater love has no man than this, but he lays down his life for his friends. Katniss looks at her sister and goes, I volunteer as tribute. I'll go in. I'll step in. I volunteer. Guys, listen. In the Bible, actually not in the Bible, in the thesaurus, (laughs) another word for tribute is honor. It's respect. It's giving somebody tribute. It's giving them honor. My question for you guys is, do you volunteer tribute? What I mean by that is, do you give honor to your parents, to your teachers, to your family, to your friends, not because someone's forcing you, not because someone's like, you better respect me, you better respect me, but are you doing it just because you know in your heart it's the right thing to do? If you're doing it for any other reason, like, guess I'll respect you, fine, guess I'll just whatever you want. That's terrible, but we do that. That's our heart so much. But if we're honoring our parents because we know that's what God has called us to do, if we're respecting our teachers even though it's hard because we know that's what God has called us to do, when we're submitting to authorities and bosses in our life who sometimes might drive us crazy, but we know it's what God is calling us to do, when we're voluntarily giving up tribute, we're like, we're like Jesus in that moment. When he's in the garden, when he's bleeding those drops of blood, and when he's saying, I'm going to respect you even though this is the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life because I know it's the right thing to do. And that will be like Jesus. And that's really the whole point is to be more like Jesus. Let me pray for you guys. Dear Lord, I thank you for this group. God, I pray you would help us, Lord, to voluntarily give respect and honor to those around us. God, whether it be parents we don't agree with, Whether it be a dad we fight with, or a mom we just sometimes can't stand because she drives us crazy, or maybe a teacher who's just we just can't understand why he or she does the things they do, whether it be an old person in our life who just seems so out of touch, or God, it's so hard sometimes. It's so hard for us to to give in and submit and respect. God, we need to. God, I pray you change our hearts. Help us, Lord, to rebel against the enemy. Help us to fight against the darkness in the world. Help us to submit to you because you're the one who guides our path. You're the one who knows the path of righteousness for us. Help us, God, to honor you and respect you in every way. We love you, Lord, and we ask all these things in your name. Amen.